Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Well, yeah, good, 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 good. Well, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. It's so great to be with all of you. Did you see me on the screen earlier baptizing someone downstairs? Any, any guesses who that might be? That was my mommy. How great is that? Dude. Yeah. You, you tell me God's not good, right? Tell me. I'll call you a liar in your face. You're a liar. God is good. It is so great to, I had no plans to baptize anybody because I was preaching. I didn't want to get wet, right? And do the whole thing. But when my mom said, I, I think I'd like to get baptized, I said, oh, let's go. Let's do it. So I'm so excited. And, and all the other candidates, there's a, a gentleman downstairs. I don't, you didn't catch his name. Well, you caught his name, but you don't know his story. Um, 80 years old. Did you see him get in the baptistry? Um, gave his life to Christ at Easter this last year. Yeah, it's cool, man. I'm telling you. It's awesome. It's awesome, or it's not. It's up to you. I don't care, but it's great to me. I love it. I think it's, I think it's incredible. So um, I just want to do our Bible study time together. We're going to be reading out of the Gospel of Luke again. We're in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 39 through 45. Small story of a, of a woman named Mary going to visit a, a relative of hers named uh, Elizabeth. So we're going to read that in a minute. But while you turn there, if you want to turn there, um, I just want to catch us up to speed where we've been so far these last many weeks. So if you're new to Renaissance, one of the things that we like to do here is just sort of work our way through books of the Bible. So a couple of weeks back, we started a study in the book of Luke, started chapter one, verse one, right? And we're just working our way through. And so we're still in chapter one, just working our way through that story. But one of the things that we've, a couple of the things that we've learned so far is that the, the writer of this gospel or biography of Jesus is a man named Luke. Luke was a medical doctor. Um, back in the day, he was a doctor, physician, and he was writing this letter or this biography or this account of Jesus to a friend of his, Theophilus is his name, so that Theophilus, who's a Christian, right, who believes in Jesus, but would have a more stable or secure understanding in the things of the faith. He goes, I want your faith to be secure. How many people would agree that you want your faith to be secure? Yeah, we do, because here's why. Because sometimes life happens. It just does. It just does. It happens to all of us. So to have a faith that is secure and settled will benefit us when, when life happens in maybe negative ways. Or even, this sounds weird to even talk about in the church, but even in positive ways, that sometimes things are going so great in your life, you have no place for Jesus. Oh, but I doubt any of those people come to this church, right? No, no, we all know. Yeah, we do that. We all do that. So Theophilus is, is the recipient of this sort of story of Jesus' life. And Luke writes this. And in so doing, he's introduced us to a couple of characters. One of them was Elizabeth. So a couple of weeks ago, we learned about a woman named Elizabeth who was married to a guy named Zacharias. And Zacharias was a priest. And he worked at the temple once or twice a year, one for one week, twice a year. And they're older in their age. They were barren, did not have any children, but they had been praying for children for a long time. 
and we're introduced to another couple, a young woman named Mary and her betrothed or her husband-to-be is a man named Joseph. You maybe have heard of this Mary and Joseph. They had a, they're going to have a son named Jesus. You've heard of him, I hope so, right? So in these two, these two couples, uh, the last few weeks we saw were an angel of the Lord, and an angel means messenger. That's the Greek word. It means messenger. This angel Gabriel came from God to give a message to both of these couples that they were going to have sons. Elizabeth, who was barren, even in her old age, is going to have a son by the natural way, right, through her husband, Zechariah. And Mary, the young girl, 12, 13-year-old girl, is going to also give birth to a son, but she's a virgin, so she's going to have to give birth and become... Um, with child, euphemistically, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, she's going to have to get pregnant, is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> right? In the supernatural way, and God's going to do something unique there. But the angel Gabriel has come and told these two stories that are very similar to these two couples, and there's a lot of parallels between the two and some distinctions. And so last week, we saw the angel come to Gabriel, or angel Gabriel come to Mary and say, you're going to have a child, right? And if you remember this, and she says, well, how can this be? since I'm a virgin. And then he says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to do something. He's going to overshadow you. And this is a, a picture. This is all review, review from last week. He's going to overshadow you like the Spirit was overshadowing the deep in the creation account. And out of nothing, something will have been made. So out of a, an empty womb, God is going to place his son, Jesus, inside through the Holy Spirit. So it's a beautiful story. And he also tells Mary and your uh, cousin, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant too. She was barren and this will be the proof for you, so to speak. So she's, he's giving her sort of a test to, to go see. And that's where we enter into the story right now. So I want to read chapter one, verses 39 through 45. Um, your Bible might call it Mary visits Elizabeth. So I'll just read the whole verses with us here, starting in verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah, the priest, and his wife, and she greeted Elizabeth. Now, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, this is John. Her baby's John the Baptist, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And it says, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting. We'll talk about that. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that, that, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So just a few handful of verses that I want to work through. So if you don't mind, let's pray real quick again and ask God to help us. So Lord, we thank you again for our time. So we ask now the Holy Spirit would open our eyes so that we can understand these verses, that you'd give us eyes to see, you'd give us ears to hear, and that our lives would be marked by what we learned today. So I'm asking Holy Spirit that you come in and you, you change us from the inside. We ask that the power of the Holy Spirit be working in us, that the power of the, the, the words in the Bible would change us. And we thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a Christian um, counselor. She's a psychologist. Her name is Deborah Filetta. She's a licensed professional counselor. She's an author. She's a relationship expert. Um, she blogs... Um, Okay, 
gosh, I didn't write down her blog, but um, anyways, if you just looked Deborah Falletta online, you'll find what, what a, a lot of the stuff that she writes. But she's um, a Christian. She writes about relationships. She understands relationships. She works with uh, people dating, married couples, going through hardship, all kinds of things. Um, but she's rightly criticized our culture's fixation on romantic relationships without remembering the other relationships that God calls us into. Now, let me unpack that again. She's criticizing how we in the culture, we sometimes see that romantic relationships are greater than all the other relationships that we might have around us. So what this looks like in, our, in, in the church sometimes is we sometimes elevate marriage right? Between a husband and a wife, we elevate that relationship above every other relationship that we might have in a church. Now, how many people think marriage is great? <laughs> Husbands, <laughs> this is your, <laughs> this is your time, friends. <laughs> Let it sing. Yes, it's awesome. Yes, it's awesome. Yes, of course it is, right? But, it, but it's not the pinnacle of the Christian experience. It's just not. If it were, Jesus did it wrong. Right? Now, it is an example for us. And, and the Apostle Paul uses language like that when he's trying to describe the language or the, the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride to the church. He uses the language of a husband and a wife. Ephesians chapter 5, you can read about that. I preach it at every wedding that I do, right? That wives should submit to their husbands and husbands should love their wives like Christ loved the church. That whole thing. So the relationship between a husband and a wife, it's, it's important for us to understand, but it's not the only relationship that exists inside the church that can show us what a relationship with God can look like. And so she's been critical. She says this, and I quote, somehow we have fallen prey to the dangerous mindset of seeing marriage as the only relationship that is supposed to reflect the body of Christ, end quote. And I agree with that. And it's a great, it's a great statement to understand. So there is great benefit to us as we learn to grow within these other relationships. And what are some of these other relationships that we find in the church? We see mentorship happening in the church. We see discipleship. We see friendship. The, the Bible is quick to call us believers in Christ, brothers and sisters, right? So that's a relationship that it should be intimate, should be non-romantic, like discipleship, like mentorship, like friendship. And it should point us to, and it should model our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, the, and what I've began to understand, and this is what I want to walk through today, using that passage that we read, is the church, I think, is the place where those relationships can be fostered and bring great benefit to us as individuals. And if, but if we don't see the importance of these other relationships, if we only see that marriage is the, the high point of life, Right? If we only see that one thing, we're going to miss this wonderful opportunity to uh, understand our relationship with God differently. Is this all making sense? Just nod at me and I'll move on. Sometimes I see your glaze over and I don't know if you're just thinking about lunch or confused. I'm not 100%. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I think it's okay. So this has been the question that I've been wrestling with um, for a while. And I'm not, uh, I'm not unique in this. I've talked to many pastors over the last a couple years since the pandemic and COVID, we've seen a lot of people sort of make an exodus of sorts out of the church, right? Have you guys noticed? Some of the people we used to sit next to are no longer here, right? I blame you. <laughs> it obviously has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I would never offend anyone. <laughs> no, but there's just been this exodus of sorts out of the church. And, and I, um, man, handle my Bible, like I had this revelation last week. I was having coffee with a friend of mine at the river and I'm not trying to oversell this. So apologies, 
But I really felt like the Lord was saying, Jeff, so many people haven't returned to the church because the church made no tangible difference in their life. Like, Jeff, don't take it personal. They're not upset with you. Here's the reality. Many, many people, right? Maybe some of us went to church every week faithfully for years, possibly. The, and then the pandemic hit and we got to do church online in our pajamas. How awesome is God? Yes. I, one guy actually texted me. He goes, is it wrong to be drinking beer while I'm watching church service? My only response to him was, is it 1030 in the morning or are you watching it later in the day? I just... Like, I just need to know what time it is I'm not, before I can pass judgment if you can drink a beer during church. But, but we sat down and we got a little restful. And then, praise the Lord, when, when we were able to safely come back into church, many people did not. And what I think the Lord is helping me understand, and I, I think I'm trying to... I think I'm understanding this so that we as a church can change and we can begin to create a church that does help make tangible differences in the lives of other people. Because if you come in every week and nothing is really changing in you, it's like, it's like having that gym membership, right? That you get every year, first part of the year, you call the DAC and you're like, yeah, I wanna get another one. They're like, you didn't come last time. I know, but it's a new year, new me, right? Whole thing. And, and, and you just never use it, so you just quit paying for it, and you stop going, or whatever, right? So it's similar in vain to that. So I want to I lean into what God might be showing us in this relationship aspect that we get to have with one another in the community of the church that we could never experience outside of the church. I, I, I'm going to start in a moment. I just got to lay a couple of things here. Um, I'm not saying that it has to be at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning type thing. So when I use the word the church, I am for sure talking about this space right now and all of that. But re remember, the church is not just the building, but it's actually the people. And there's an, you don't have an intimate relationship with a building. Say amen, right? Because that's weird, right? But you have intimate relationships with people, right? That's what we want. We want to foster that. So what does that look like? So that's, that's sort of our, our work that's ahead of us these next couple years. What are we going to do as a church to create a space that can foster some of these relationships? So anyways, um, Deborah Folletta wrote an incredible article that I ran across this last week. And she, it's called 10 Unexpected Benefits of Church Community or something like that. 10 Unexpected Benefits of Being a Part of a Church. And when I read that article and was studying through this passage, I saw some connections between the two. She lists 10. I'm not going to give you 10, but I do want to give you a couple things that she talked about in this article. The first is this, that the community, the church community that you're a part of um, can care for you emotionally. Right? So you can, you can be a part of some people who know how you're doing. They're checking in on you, and they can care for you emotionally. Maybe in better ways than the world outside can care for you. Because sometimes the world outside, I'm not saying they don't care, but they, they might not care for you in the same way, in a Christ-honoring, um, God-glorifying way, okay? And so in the church community, we can see just how important it is to have not just our physical needs met, but our emotional needs as well. And we're available to one another, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to have the courage to not only reach out to others, right, and see how they're doing, but to also to be open with one another and to tell them how you're honestly doing. We, here, you have permission from Pastor Jeff to stop faking it at church in Jesus' name. 
you have permission. How are you doing? Use the cuss words if you need. I don't care, right? Tell us how you're feeling. If you don't tell us how you're feeling, we can't help you. If you don't tell me how you feel, I can't, I can't lean into that. If you say, how, when I say, honestly, how are you doing, right? And you say, I'm fine. I just disconnect and move on. Because why? You said you're fine. But maybe you're lying to me for whatever reason. Okay, so let's be real. So uh, an unexpected benefit is, is uh, the community can open our eyes to the needs of others. If you were to read some of Luke's other writings, so Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, which is a book just after the Gospels. In fact, the two things that Luke wrote is over half of the New Testament. So if you read all of his writings, he's wrote a lot of it. But anyways, when you, when you read what's happening in the, in the book of Acts, when the church is just getting birthed, it says that the many people in the church would sell things that they had. If they had extra, they would sell it, and they would use that money to give to other people in the church so that everyone in the church had no need. That there was, there was a way that somehow God wired the church to operate together, that those who have extra, right? And you don't have to raise your hand if you have extra, right? But if you have extra, you can sort of take less and use it to bless other people. Is this making sense? Okay, so when we come to church, we, we get to rub elbows with people like that. Because the people in my neighborhood don't need the help. Anyone? Right? Where you live, everyone's fine, probably. I don't know. I don't know your story, right? But in my neighborhood, it's fine. But if I'm going to rub like elbows or get to know people that have a different socioeconomic status than me, the, the only place that's going to happen is either at Walmart or at church, and we have banned Walmart. Say amen. <laughs> yes. That's something that should die in COVID, I'm just saying, is the Walmart experience. So, so we get to come here and we now all of a sudden we're, we're leaning into people that you can just tell have a need. You can just tell. In fact, if you can't tell, sometimes they even ask you, would you give me some money? Can I have a couple dollars, please? Right? Some of those people come to church here, right? And for you, sometimes that's a point of frustration. I don't want to give you money. I don't want to, and I'm not telling you to give them money. If God tells you to give them money, give them money, <laughs> okay? Because God is doing something, right? And, and this church, we, we have been blessed to have a diverse people group show up. Would you say amen to that? It's pretty diverse, and we praise the Lord for that. And it's going to become more diverse as the years progress. It just will, because that's how God has made us to be. And we're going to learn to, to deal with, I hate to say deal, but we're going to work through that in a Christ-honoring way. Another benefit is the community empowers our relationships with God. So our relationships with one another, as I mentioned earlier, that the world outside does not drive us towards the same things that the church might, but in relationship, if, if I see you're struggling with something or whatever, I might pray for you, I might help you, I might check in with you, and all the while I'm trying to direct your gaze back into Jesus, the one who can help you. Because ultimately, Christ is the one who can save. Ultimately, God is, he's the one who gives the Holy Spirit, who can um, help you overcome your addictions, can fix your marriage, can empower you to live a whole different way. This is all the work that, that God does in our lives and our relationships in the church move that direction, okay? They should, I should say. <laughs> That's our grand desire and design is that everything moves that direction. And there's just something about power in numbers, 
the Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered, that, that God would come and join with us, okay? And I know it's only two or three, but now imagine there's 200, there's 300, there's 400. And now, now imagine just a few moments ago when we're all exalting the Lord, we're lifting our praise to God, we're exalting Jesus Christ, and you can just see how, how glorified the God the Father is in that. They go, he's thinking to himself, this is all, like, I don't know, this is heresy, I don't know, but it's like, like God's in, in heaven and the throne going, they, they love my son. They love him. Look at, and the angels are going, I know, right? It's nuts. And like the whole, all of heaven is watching what's happening right here as we're exalting him and we're loving him and people are encouraged and the Holy Spirit's moving around through the aisles. It's just an incredible experience that you don't get at the mall. You don't get at the movies. I like movies. You don't get it at home or wherever else. There's just something unique, structurally different in the relationships that God is knitting his church together with that you can't find anywhere else. When I read the story of Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth, a light bulb went off. I'm like, there it is. There it is. And you're like, I don't see it. Let's start. Let's start here in verse 39, and I'll point it out what I think I, I saw. Verse 39, it says, In those days, Mary goes to visit, or went with haste, sorry, into the hill country to a town of Judah. Verse 40, and she enters the house of Zechariah, and she greets Elizabeth, her cousin. But back in verse 39, it says, In those days. This is just Luke using language to tie this story of Mary's visit to the previous story. It's like saying, meanwhile, or this happened about the same time that the other thing happened, the two stories are connected. So as soon as Gabriel left Mary and says, you're going to have a baby, it's nuts, I know, <laughs> right? Holy Spirit's going to do a thing, and your, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. You can go check that out if you'd like, right? And it says, immediately after that, in, with haste, Mary arose and went into the hill country to go to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. Um, I need you to feel the emotional toil, turmoil rather, that Mary has found herself in after this encounter with Gabriel. We, we sort of whitewash and lacquer over the story of Gabriel saying, you're going to have a son. It's going to be awesome. He's going to be Jesus. And we're going to make a little figurine like him. And we're going to put it out every Christmas in a little manger. And we're going to go, yay, Jesus, and all this. And Mary's and Joseph over here and the wise men, all this stuff. Like, we're missing it. Gabriel comes to a young girl who's a virgin and says, you're going to be pregnant. The city around you is going to call you an adulterer. Your husband's probably going to want to divorce you. And in her culture, this is a capital offense. Adultery is a capital offense. Mary could be stoned to death for this. Did I mention life gets hard sometimes? Right? And, and Mary's like, like, she's not like, ooh, ooh, me, Lord, me, Lord. She's just like sitting there eating oatmeal, watching cartoons. And God, the angel just shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. He's like, wait, I'm sorry? Like, and all of a sudden, her life is upside down. Emotionally, she's a wreck. She can't even stay. And she leaves with haste. And she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. She's in an emotional need. And she goes to, where would you go, right, when your life is coming undone? Where, where do you go when you need someone who's a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, someone's walking with the Lord just maybe a little bit longer than you, and you need some advice? Where do you go? Right? She chose Elizabeth. 
maybe the church can be that place for, for you. Maybe you can be that place for me some days. Here, here's a novel idea. Let's not lean all on me. <laughs> Jesus, right? <laughs> but let us lean all on one another, say amen. amen. Let's do that. So she goes with haste. She doesn't wait around to see. She wants the proof that Gabriel had promised her. And so she goes into the hill country. Um, Luke does not tell us what city Zechariah lives. Some scholars think it's Hebron. That's fine. That's in the hill country. Just know this. She's leaving Nazareth up in Galilee, going down to Judah. She's traveling about 100 miles or so. And this is before like Chevy Traverse. This is before all that stuff. She's just walking. It's very tough terrain. It's very hard. Um, Luke makes no mention if anyone went with her. We don't know. We can surmise. We don't know. It's possible she went by herself. Like she's in that much of an emotional state. She needs help. So she's going to go. And she's not even going to wait for someone to go with her. She just goes. Imagine if the church was a place where people just couldn't stay away from. Imagine if the church was a place where like, like I just, I, man, if Sunday would just get here already. So many people won't even like, I told myself I wasn't going to be negative because I'm not a negative person by nature, right? But sometimes it's just so much easier just to pull the covers back up and just to crawl back into bed, especially when the time change and all that stuff's going to happen next week. Or is that better for us? I can't remember. Fall's good, right? We get an extra hour of sleep. Praise the Lord. But I want you to see young Mary She's willing to walk 100 miles to find comfort. And sometimes we won't drive the seven minutes. Anyways, anyone? All right. I love you. Prove it. I like tacos and chocolate cake. So... Anyways, so uh, moving on, she walks upwards of 100 miles, and so she can do that, whatever. Um, many years ago, I was getting ready to preach. We were downstairs. Um, if you, who used to go to the church when we were downstairs doing Sunday nights and all that stuff? Sunday morning? Okay, yeah, good times, good people. Um, so I was getting ready to preach. I was getting ready to step up on the stage, and I look in the back, and there's a police officer standing in the back of the room, like with his sidearm, his uniform, and his patrol cars parked out front. And I said, uh-oh, wonder what's happening. Um, but I'm an introvert, so I didn't ask. I just get back on stage and just start to preach. I'm like, whatever he's got to do, I'm assuming he can get it done without me. <laughs> so it'll be fine. So I'm preaching. Um, after service, I find, I find someone and say, what did the cop want? Like, what was that about? And he told me that um, somebody had called 911. Um, uh, a mother of a young adult that goes to our church um, called 911 because their son wanted to go to church in the morning. And it was one of those bitter cold w- winter mornings. Okay. And she didn't want to take him. And he left. And he walked to church. Okay, it was like 28 degrees, and, and, he'd been, and, and she goes, I don't think he took his winter coat with him. He just left. Bless his heart, right? Um, the, she calls 911 because she didn't know if he made it to church. Or not. The, the police officer just came just to find out if he made it. And when we said, yeah, he's right there, right? And they're like, okay, cool. And he just left. But think about that. Like so many people are willing to do hard things to get to church, just by way of example. So moving on. And, and um, uh, Brian, that was you, right? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, Brian, you're awesome, dude. He, he'll, walk in a, he'll walk in a snowstorm. He rode his bike to church a couple weeks ago. Give him a, give him a hand for that one. 
Brian's awesome. He's part of our church. He's been part of this church for a long time. If you don't know Brian, you're missing it, man. He's a good dude. So anyways, verse 42, and she exclaims, this is Elizabeth. She exclaims with a loud cry. I'm sorry, verse 41. I skipped a verse. Sorry, back to 41. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary and the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is an important phrase for us because what happens next can only happen when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. That she's going to actually prophesy. She's going to say something unique, something that only God could have, she's going to know something that only God could have told her. And we'll talk about that just in a little bit. But just know this, that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the fullness of who God is, is made available to her. And hear me when I say this, that if you are in Christ Jesus here in this room, the fullness of God's Spirit is available to you as well. Amen? Yes. And so all the things that you need to, to um succeed in life and to do the things that God is asking you and wanting of you to do. He is equipping you to do with the Holy Spirit. You can do that. We see this as an example here. And she exclaims with a loud cry, verse 42, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This is the point I wanted us to see. Luke makes no record for us that, that Mary came in and said, hey, heard you're pregnant, me too. Boom, they bump bellies or something, <laughs> right? We have like a cool weird fist bump thing. Like if I was writing, that's what I would say happened. We don't have that here. What we have is Mary walked into the room, John the Baptist inside Elizabeth's womb leaps She's filled with the spirit of God, the full, the full measure of God, all his knowledge and wisdom. And then she, she prophesies, so she has this word of knowledge or understanding that Mary's pregnant too. Mary didn't tell her she's pregnant. Because of the spirit of God in her life, she now has an understanding that Mary's pregnant. And she says, blessed are you because of the fruit in your womb. And Mary's like, wait, what? Like the angels just said I was going to have a kid. I didn't know like it's on, like we're doing it now. Like click, the timer started. Like she doesn't know, but, but Elizabeth knows that baby Jesus is already in the womb. That comes from the Holy Spirit. That word or understanding or whatever comes from the Lord. Now I've had an experience similar to this. Uh, years ago when I was going to start a church, um, this is back in early, mid-2000s or something, I felt like I was supposed to plant a church, which eventually became Renaissance, but I didn't know. I was just really wrestling with it. I thought God was calling me to do it, but I wasn't sure. And I remember one time going to a church service and a complete stranger came up to me and says, hey man, you've been asking the Lord some questions? And the answer to the question is yes. And I'm like, who are you? Like, I don't know you. He's like, well, you're asking the Lord questions. You're asking the Lord, should I plant a church or not? And the answer to the question is yes. And he says, and you're going to do it wearing blue jeans. You're not going to wear a suit. And I said, I can get on board with that. <laughs> it sounds like my Jesus. That, that word of knowledge, that understanding, hear me. I'm not saying that doesn't happen in the world because Christians leave the church and we go to Walmart, we go to movies, we go to the, okay. But I'm saying it for sure happens in the church. Like when you come to church, you can expect someone to check in and possibly have a word for you. In 2007, I had my anxiety. You guys know I deal with chronic anxiety. I have since I was 11 years old. I don't know what the deal is, going to therapy, whatever. I do my best, right? One, in 2007, my anxiety got so bad, I could not sleep for days on end. I had lost over 20 some pounds in about six or seven weeks. I was losing my mind. I stepped into church on Sunday morning and an elder from the church walks up to me and says, Jeff, I have no idea what's going on in your life, 
but the Lord woke me up at 3 a.m. and I've been praying for you ever since this morning. How are you doing? Like I turned into a puddle right in front of him because the Lord sees me. That happens in the church. It should happen in the church. There's just these unexpected benefits of being a part of a church. There's emotional help. There's physical help. There's directed towards God help. Like everything was just pointing in direction for God. And Mary and Elizabeth have that encounter and we see this intimate relationship that's not romantic, but it's, it's purposeful and it's intentional and God wants it for all of us as well. She says, verse 43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is the first reference to someone calling Jesus Lord in this gospel, and he's in utero. Tell me, like, like she has just got wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit. Like, he, he hasn't performed any miracles. There's no water to wine in his little sippy cup. There's none of that stuff happening yet. Right? He's not healed anybody. There's no transfiguration. There's no cross. There's no resurrection. Just with an understanding from the Holy Spirit, she says, that child in your womb is different. And he is my Lord. And I am so blessed that, that, the, that God would bring you to me, that I could be blessed. I mean, she's just, she, it turns into an, like a worship service almost. And she begins to declare. In fact, real quick, um, most Commentators believe that Elizabeth, what she's saying here, she's actually singing here. It's, it's not just I'm saying these things, but she exclaims with a loud cry. She just breaks into song and starts singing. There are five songs listed in Luke's gospel. This is the first one. So anyway, that's for nerds like me out there. So, And she says, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The fetal John is just overcome and filled with the Spirit. Luke also tells us that John would be filled with the Spirit um, before he was even born. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. Uh, we don't have time to go into it, which is fascinating. But so it's not just um, Elizabeth has some sense of what all that's happening right here, but like John in utero as well has some sense that something like miraculous is taking place here as well. And then she says, last verse in verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This whole time she's been talking about Mary like sort of in that first person, like Mary this, Mary that. But here at the end, it, she changes, blessed is she. It becomes third person. And why is this significant for us? Because it's almost as if Luke then just opens the doorway for all of us to be blessed just like Elizabeth was. What am I trying to say? We could say, blessed is he who believes in the Lord. Right? And we it could be talking about you. Blessed is she. We're talking about you. It could be any one of us that if you want to be blessed from God, then we look to the, the child that is inside Mary's womb, Jesus Christ, and we become blessed in him. And, and Luke opens up for us, not just this experience that Elizabeth has alone with Mary, but we too can have it through Jesus Christ, that we too can be blessed. So, um, Welcome to Renaissance. I, I don't know how to end sermons, so I ran out of time. I'm, four, I'm 14 seconds over. I have no more notes, so we're finished.
Thank you for coming. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you guys, I have not had this much fun like in a long time. And you, if, you, if you've been coming for the last couple of years, you know how much of a struggle this has been for me these last few years. It has been hard. I burn out with the building project and COVID and the pandemic and all that stuff. I thought I was quitting. I just didn't know if I had it in me to do this anymore. I took a, a three-month sabbatical last year, and um, it's just I've just been through the ringer. It's been so hard. But I'm telling you what, man, the last few weeks, like month or two, I've been having fun at church again. I haven't had fun at church in a long time. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, it sounds like you're giving yourself applause. It, it has nothing to do with you, I don't think. Like, I love you, but it has nothing to do with you. It's all an inward work in me that God is doing something in me. And, and hear me when I say this. And he can do it inside of you. He can. He's asking you to, to inquire in the scriptures. He's asking you to read the stories. Like you have to be asking the same question that I was asking this week when you're reading this. You're like, why is Luke telling us about Mary going to visit Elizabeth? Why does that matter to me? Like when you're reading the Bible, questions should just pop up because the Lord is leading you to into an understanding. And when you're reading, just you're questioning, this is what's happening to me. So um, you have that opportunity. You have it. You have, God has graced you with a, a pretty great church. I, I think one of the, the best churches in town, a, a good pastor friend of mine, pastors in town, he calls Renaissance the second best church in Decatur. <laughs> of course, his church is the first, whatever, whatever right? Because yeah, that's second best church. You guys are awesome. But God has, listen, God has graced you with some pretty great people, man some really great people here who probably love you in ways you don't even know or understand, who, who pray for you probably in ways that you, you don't even know or understand. God has placed many of you in this church with a, uh, okay. All right, I'll say this. There are some people in the church right here who have a voice in the church, but have yet to use it that there's a benefit that, that God has for the church through some of you. And because of an insecurity or a bashfulness or uh, you feel unqualified or for whatever reason, there's some hiccup or some hitch that's caught, right? That the Lord wants to deliver you from, that the Lord would free you from, that would set you free from so that you would have a voice in the church and the church could more accurately portray the relationship between uh, Jesus Christ and his church. That we would have in our relationship with one another through your voice. Is this tracking with anyone at all? Some people here who just, you have a, a, a role that's undefined and underutilized as of yet. And I, I'm telling you as your pastor, God is, is telling me I, it's here, I see it. I just don't know who it is yet. So if that's you, maybe we need to have a conversation. Like if you're saying, man, I, I think God wants me to say something. Yeah, we need to sit down for tacos. I'll even let you buy. Okay? Like we should get together. 
because God wants to do, he wants to blow up in your life, man. He wants to blow up in your life. Existing is not what God has called you to. Existing is not, he's, he's called you to, into an abundant life. Like a life that'll just freaking blow your mind. I believe it. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen it so many times in my life and in the lives of people around me. And if you need help remembering, just look to those 11 people or 10 people that were baptized this morning downstairs. God's up to something. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.